This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Giselle on from ADP, and our topic is designing inclusive HR tech. Fascinating topic, and I can't wait to talk to Giselle about it. Giselle, would you do us a favor and both introduce yourself and ADP? Sure. My name is Giselle Mota. I am the Chief of Product Inclusion at ADP. ADP is this company that has been known for so many years, like a payroll company, but really we're so much more than that. It's about the entire life cycle of an employee HCM experience. Uh, We do a lot of services, products, and we're really trying to lead with technology. I love it. I love it. And you know, it's it's funny because you all sit on such great data uh, all, all throughout the process, you know, from, as you said, from recruiting all the way to the, you know, hire to retire, if you will. Um, so I, I absolutely love it. Um, let's start with some of the basics, designing inclusive HR tech. This is something I've not talked to anyone about. So why don't we just lay down some foundational things? What should people be thinking about when they're thinking about designing inclusive HR tech? This is super complicated of an answer. It is. <laughs> I love it already. It's not. It is so simple, actually. It's it's about really thinking about everyone. The everyone. Who is that? So it's the user who's going to be interacting with your product, or in the case of, of our clients, it's who's going to be going through your application systems, your recruiting, onboarding. Like Who's the everyone that you're trying to reach out to? Because those are the people that we're designing for. Everyone. It's 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 so. I mean, you're right. It's simple, but yet complex, right? Like it's. Uh, I did a podcast. Oh, it was probably about three, a couple of weeks ago, and it was with um, someone from the. Uh, it was a center for. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was helping uh, blind students mm-hmm. uh, move from, you know, college, if you will, and into the workforce. And it was fascinating because the person I was talking to was blind. I'm legally blind, but that's not quite the same. Uh, Not actually the same at all. Um, But I learned so much during that process because, you know, again, you know, things that I take for granted, you know, like we're using Zoom and it's, and, and this person's blind and it, I mean, and again, I, I when we talk about it, especially inclusion uh, from an employment standpoint, you know, diversity, inclusion, equity, equality, belonging, et cetera. When we talk about inclusion, we're, we're not always talking about it. I mean, there's so many different parts of inclusion that we're not factoring in yet. Like it's, a, it's an onion. And we've peeled a couple of the layers of the onion, which is great. But there's a whole lot of more peeling to go uh, with it just inclusion. You're so right. You know, and you mentioned such a great example about someone who's using a product and they happen to be blind. Uh, Imagine that at different points, and and I think it's hard for us sometimes to imagine that experience of someone who may be blind because if if we're not blind ourselves or we don't have loved ones or people around us who are, 
and we don't experience, well, what would it be like for that individual to have to go through a drive-through and make an order or, you know, do something online, whether it's filling out a job application or anything, right? So we don't think in those terms, but what we don't often realize is that sometimes we all have momentary moments of blindness, right? The sun can be shining in your eye in a certain direction or, you know, you may have gotten pink eye or stabbed yourself in the eye on accident. So you have a temporary moment of that, or perhaps you're not fully blind, but maybe you do have uh, color blindness, or maybe you're on the spectrum of having uh, any other kind of a low vision or or impaired vision, right? So all of us should think in terms of when I'm making this product or when I'm offering this experience, how can I do it with everyone in mind uh, that would probably even have sometimes moments of momentary, uh, you know, disabilities, if you would, or other abilities. Um, and then, like you said as well, yes, there's a plethora of other a- aspects that make us different. It could be that you are a caregiver. It could be that you are a a, a different age in your in your workforce. Perhaps you identify outside of the binary of being a woman or a male and or a man, right? And so you identify as non-binary. And or there's such a plethora of things that make us different people, right? And and we have to take that into consideration when we're creating experiences. So two parts uh, question. One's going to be more, you know, how do we get that data? Like, I don't know what I don't know, right? Like, I remember the first time someone, a friend of mine, explained non-binary to me. Well, I had no idea, because, you know, duh. Uh, I just didn't know. Uh, But once I knew, once they explained it to me, you know, I listened, I understood. It's like, okay, now I, I can factor that in. But how do we get to a place of knowing you know, how do you, how do you get to, how do you know what you don't know, especially as it relates? Cause when you start out on a project when designing tech and HR tech in particular, there's, there's a whole host of things you're solving for. There's the tech that you're trying, there's a problem that you're solving for. Okay. Check. But then it's okay. Then you have an audience. There's going to be a bunch of users that are going to be using admins, et cetera. How do you, how do you kind of, what do you, what, what advice do you have for folks to solicit and find out, okay, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about, uh, potholes that we should avoid? Absolutely. One of the best places is to check with the people themselves. And so go to the source. Uh, you know, it was interesting when LinkedIn put out their pronoun features and their preferred name features. Uh, they did some research and they found out that uh, a great number of people uh, don't identify as uh, you know as as either of those binaries, and they might want to select a pronoun um, that's different from the regular he, she, or mm-hmm. her, him. And there are many users across LinkedIn uh, that are starting to use or have started for a long time now. To as soon as that feature became available, use they them. Sometimes people use a combination of he, they, and and etc. There's so many different uh, ways to identify in that use case alone. So I think it's asking and LinkedIn did just that. They went out, they asked, they surveyed, they found out from the users, like, what would you like to see as far as a pronoun? Uh, And we've done the same thing. We've listened to our clients. We've listened to the market. Uh, We understand kind of the future of working where it's going with different generations coming in and how they want to identify and be identified. yeah, and you just kind of look at your competition as well. I'm sure that with many industries out there, I would encourage people who may be thinking, well, that's not for me in my organization. I'm not going to allow for, for example, someone to select their pronouns or or anything along those lines. 
uh, I would say look at your competition as well, because that talent pool has a choice of where they want to go work. And in many cases, they want to work for organizations that are going to value them for the unique individual that they are, and maybe even just respect the fact that they want to be called by a certain name or addressed by a certain pronoun, et cetera. So they will move on to an organization that will allow for that. And so I think there's many different places, advisory groups, you know, you can tap into research studies, do surveys and polls, ask your internal employee audience as well, right? Through ERG groups, there's many different ways where we can solicit feedback. So this might be just a middle-aged pear-shaped white guy problem that I have. William, did you say pear-shaped? I did say pear-shaped. <laughs> I'm owning it. I'm I just I'm just gonna own it. Listen, I, we're inclusive around here. We don't do <laughs> <laughs> or this might be mansplaining or a combination of both. But can we truly, this is something I've struggled with personally. Can we truly include everybody? Hmm. I think we can strive for it. I don't think that it's probably humanly possible to get it right all the time. You know, in fact, right. we look at certain organizations like Microsoft over the years uh, have has done a lot. They're doing amazing things around like diversity, equity, and inclusion, like disability inclusion, et cetera. But some years ago, they were hitting the headlines for certain aspects where yep. they were getting it really wrong. And, uh, you know, for example, I, I think I read a study or a research that was talking about how they put out back when I think Windows was uh, like XP or something like, but when that existed back in the dinosaur ages, right? This is this is how long ago this was, you know, the fast technology moves, but they uh, wanted to translate their, uh, how they select like gender pronouns, right? Inside of their tool. And it was uh, translating into English to Spanish. And they ended up calling women by a word in Spanish that the Spain use as hembra, right, in Spanish, which which refers to female for some translations, but in most Spanish translations and in other places, it's actually a derogatory uh, <laughs> password towards women, yes. Oh, my God. Well, do we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. But should right. we keep on trying and iterating? Yes. It, I, I, that's what I've come to. At least that's where I've rested so far is it's, it be, it's more of a relentless pursuit of inclusion. And you might not ever reach there. You might, it's a destination you might not ever reach. However, that's not an excuse not to do it. Right. And so you just pursue and you try, you're going to learn new things. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things that's both complicated about the topic for folks because they want it to be easy and it's not, there's nothing about inclusion that's, that's easy. Um, but it's also, it's a, it's a goal that you're never going to actually reach. In my opinion, I mean, at least that's where I'm at right now. I, I could change that next week. Um, with When you design technology, so much, at least in the past, has been the features, uh, benefits, attributes, uh, you know, how you're technically, what, what problem you're solving. And I'm not sure many people have actually really thought about the users and their needs. You know, they, they only think about the buyer and their needs uh, or, or maybe even the admins and their needs. But I, and, and, and that's more of the data and analytics and reporting and, you know, it's just typical stuff. But I'm not sure there's been a whole lot of people that have really, really sat down and thought about, OK, before we get too far down the feature path of whatever we're building, you know, who are we solving for and what do they need out of this technology? 
Is that what's first of all, do I have any of that right? And if so, what's right, what's wrong? What would you modify? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of times we'll create a product because and when I say we, I speak of people who create products in general, but sometimes they'll think about inclusion features out of compliance and legislation or in order to not get sued. You know, so we think about, you know, accessibility and often we tag on accessibility as an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And uh, did we get to this? We want to make sure that we're compliant. It's always <laughs> we driven by compliance, right? Um, and, and perhaps it's also other aspects like are we including you know, even in marketing, like when the incidences happened around the world and especially here in the United States and then across the world, you saw an influx of commercials, advertisements, print ads, all kinds of things that were all around, including people of color, especially people who were black inside of, you know, these marketing materials. That's great. But we also have to <laughs> check. That's nice. <laughs> but how much further can we take this to be truly inclusive? Like, did you think about that individual's experience in your product? Like, for example, someone with disabilities, instead of tagging it on at the end with, you know, accessibility, did you truly think and stop and think about how this person is included by bringing them to the table and asking them to test the products for you or asking them for their input and feedback of what they would like to see or listening to commonalities and in, in certain areas of frustration uh, that somebody comes across when it might not have anything to do with accessibility. Maybe it's just, I don't feel like I'm represented and included in this experience, right? So there's so much that we can do uh, and not only think about, I think we all need to move away from this I'm going to think about inclusion from a political, mm-hmm. uh, polarizing, uh, uh, you know, compliance driven topic and really think about it from a human level of who is not included in this experience and how can we make sure that more people get included? You know, I, it's it's wonderful that, that you said that because it seems you mentioned compliance earlier and it seems like that's a have to. Uh, rather than a want to. And a want to is a desire, uh, uh, you know, the underpinning of, of a desire to then absolutely make that change, right? It's, it's, it's as you use the example of, uh, of marketers using uh, images of people of color, uh, that's, that's, again, uh, better than not. Okay, check, got it. But uh, it still kind of feels forced, it's still it, in, a, in a way, not in a way, it feels forced. Uh, it feels like I have to. It looks like, oh, okay, all right. if I don't do that, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, I'll get on social. People, Somebody will put me on blast, whatever. And and I think that the one of the things that I think that the audience should take away from this is as we design inclusive HR tech, it's it's got to be a want to. You got to want to do it because if it's a have to, it's going to be the last on the list. It's going to be pushed down below other things that you're working on. And it's not going to be something that you want to do. And uh, so you won't do it or you won't do it as well. Um, Two things on that. You made me think. So one is if somebody is putting out right more, more individuals of color in marketing, it is a wonderful uh, step in the right direction. I would challenge someone if you really want to take that further and truly be inclusive Make sure that it's someone of color within the group, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Within groups of other people as well. It doesn't have to be that every other picture is a person of color. 
or a person, uh, and when I say that, it's a, it's a black individual, right? I'm a black woman, by the way, of, of my skin is. I'm Afro-Latina. And, and how about we consider, for example, people of other ethnic backgrounds, mm -hmm. right? It would be great to see people uh, of different, you know, uh, ethnicities uh, inside of more marketing material and, and thinking about people who might uh, be of transgender or non-binary um, is well included in some of these images that we use. And maybe a woman who is on her phone and she's uh, she's pregnant and she's at work and she's doing, because this is, there's such a wide variety of who we are as people and how we work uh, and how we show up. And so sometimes even in that, we, we create such a, a funnel. And then uh, to the point that you made about probably wanting wanting to do this, I would advocate for the people who don't want to do it for a second. And I would mm -hmm. say, if you're out there listening and you don't want to do it, we're thinking of you too, right? In our product designs and development of how we do, like we're, we're creating features because we have a stance at ADP in which we are trying to uh, be more inclusive as an organization. We have a responsibility, right? And, and ethics of how we, how we operate. But then we're also trying to empower others to be that way should they choose. And so if you choose not to, I would say that's all right. We have options where you can turn off certain features, for example. And then we were thinking and designing for those people as well. Just remember that when you don't do that, you are uh, getting yourself out of the competitive market. Right. And even, you know, keeping certain skills and capabilities of people who would be attracted to work for your company if you thought and operated otherwise. Oh, I love that. And again, it's it's true because talent, talent doesn't, the, especially today, talent just doesn't have patience. And nor should they. <laughs> so let's start there. Talent shouldn't have patience. You know, they, it, 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 we should be further along than we are. And 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 again, if uh, we were, I was just talking about this earlier this morning about onboarding. If you've been romanced in recruiting, all of a sudden you get to that onboarding, and it's a horrible experience. I've seen such an uptick in people just saying, "Yep, yeah, no," and leaving. That's right. And, yeah, and it's just and and you know what. I don't, I mean, people talk about that as a bad thing. I, I don't actually see that as a bad thing. I think that, hey, listen, that means that you need to uh, make your pre-boarding, onboarding experience, employee experience better. That's not a, you should probably look at that and not blame, it's so easy to blame the candidate or the employee rather than to set, take some ownership and say, no, that's actually our fault. That's right. That's our bad. Right. Um, I want to get your take on kind of visible versus invisible. Um, you know, how we identify, but also uh, things that we can see, but also things that we, we can't see. And I know this is this is really in the uh, disabilities and abilities kind of place, but I, I think it crosses across all kind of inclusion, like, especially as we've talked more about mental health uh, from COVID. Thank, you know, thankfully, we're talking more about mental health. It's one of those things we don't you know, we, we might be ashamed or, or whatever. We don't talk about it. It's kind of invisible. Um, so how do, how do we kind of, how do we tease out the difference between invisible and visible and, and, and as it relates to inclusion, so we make our products fit every, well, as many people as possible. Yeah, you're right about that's such a good point. There are so many things that we can't see mm -hmm. and we can make assumptions on people based on what we physically see. Right. Um, but what about when someone is a veteran and you can't see that and unless they're, you know, maybe wearing something to indicate that or, or they upright tell you. 
but that veteran individual has a skill set in probably like product ma- or project management and strategy and you know discipline focus there's so many things that someone can bring to the table from that background a caregiver will have experience uh working with an individual um and being patient and um having to manage different schedules and all kinds of things right so there's so many different things that we cannot see about people uh their religion um mm you know, et cetera, that makes someone's perspective and what they bring to the table that much richer. Uh, and and same with disabilities, to your point. Myself, I have dyslexia. It's a uh, something that, that affects the way that I read, the way that sometimes I speak, the way I write, the way I spell, uh, the way I see things. I spoke about it in a TEDx talk some years ago um, on how, you know, I think we can use things like artificial intelligence and, and, you know, emerging tech to help all kinds of people, including people with unseen and seen disabilities. So absolutely, there's there's such a rich perspective that people bring to the table that we can't point at many times with, the, with our, you know, fingers because it's a physical, it's not a physical thing but we really can tap into it. And uh, there's so many people now speaking out and, and, and showing how those types of differences, the cognitive uh, diversities, right? The way that we think, maybe because you do have uh, a mental health uh, situation, for example, people who are bipolar mm-hmm. um, as well have certain skill sets to them and something unique in perspective that they bring, right? Um, and we can go on and on with different examples, but I think it's it's really taking a step and looking at people in a different way and not making assumptions and judgments based on what we see with our physical eyes. I love that you brought up both of those examples. It's, you know, once we build technology, one of the things that we want, we want several things, but one of the things we want is adoption. We want people to use the technology, consume it, use it, usage, et cetera. And uh, one of the things we don't factor into that is uh, learning styles. Like how people, there's, I think Sherm says there's seven different learning styles, whatever it is. So there's learning styles, how people like to learn, but there's also learning differences, which you brought up dyslexia, there's dysgraphia, there's you know a whole host of different uh, learning differences. You right. still learn, you just learn differently. Uh, and so again, how do we include, how do we think about those folks at, at from the jump? How do we do that when we're designing technology so that we think about how people are going to the styles and the way that we're going to kind of package so that we get to the ultimate goal of getting users to use the technology. But we also think about the differences, learning differences and, and factoring that in as well. What's your, what's your take on learning styles and learning differences? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Learning styles and learning differences. I think people can create different modalities as far as how you mm. can consume information. So instead of just having a training that's on written, you know, like a PDF full of writing for me, that's not going to work. I'm going to need something that can, can be in an audio format or visual through video. Uh, the same though can be applied across many different aspects So even in the example that I gave around someone who uh, may have some mental health uh, differences, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe it's embedding time in in your product or your your process where you're allowing someone to have high levels of engagement sometimes and then sometimes being able to pull back from it or creating white spaces on the page, right? To create some, some blank user experience and user interfaces where someone's not 
you know, clutter with a bunch of information uh, all at the same time and maybe adding those options, right? Those as options or features where everyone doesn't have to have the white space, but maybe someone else does need to, you know, click a button where you can have some more white space or click a button and hear this in audio format or, you know, options, choices. And that's that's how we can be more flexible within our product and design. I love it. La- last question. Um, I, th- I think it's probably really easy to think about how we get it wrong. Like, you know, that, that's, I think we get it wrong because people aren't using technology. Like we can just monitor usage or, uh, and, and then, and then see that people aren't using the product. Like, okay, we're, we're getting something wrong. Uh, but how do we, how do we know that we're getting it right? Yeah. Higher adoption for sure. Less uh, mm. complaints and client escalations that you might be hearing. Um, and just people will share feedback here and there and, and, and say this, I felt seen, I felt, mm. I felt heard, you know, uh, I've been doing some work over the years, even around uh, disability inclusion and the stories and just people that reach out to me to say that something made them cry, that uh, they were so touched to, to finally be seen and heard and understood. That goes a long way. And so that in and of itself, you will hear feedback. You will see higher user adoption. You'll see more extensive user adoption. So that would be uh, going horizontal. You'll reach more people um, by thinking more about people. And so I I think the numbers uh, will speak for itself. Drops mic, walks off stage. Giselle, (laughs) thank you so much for carving out time and wisdom for us. Thank you, William. It was awesome. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.